Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Sheffield Lakes Lutheran Church for our worship today. Today is the second Sunday after Easter, so in our gospel lesson from John chapter 20, we will see Jesus' first appearance on Easter Sunday evening to the disciples in the upper room. And then a week later, they're all gathered in the same place with the same doors, still locked with the same locks. We'll consider our reading from 1 Peter, as well, we've got a series of readings through 1 Peter. Um, here in the season of Easter, so we'll consider most of them under this overall theme of risen Savior and living hope. The service is outlined for you in your service folder. We'll begin with hymn number 149, and then continue in the very front portion of your red window on page 38. God bless your worship.
We continue on page 38 in the very front portion of your Red The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. We have come into the presence of God who created us to love and serve Him as His dear children. But we have disobeyed Him and deserve only His wrath and punishment. Therefore, let us confess our sins to Him and plead for His mercy. Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from earth. In countless ways I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus my Savior, I pray, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all your sins. By the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ, he has removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. May God give you strength to live according to his will. In the peace of this forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. Concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, 
Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon my life to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Gentlemen, brothers, I can speak confidently to you about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath that he would seat one of his descendants on his throne, he saw what was coming, and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, saying that he was neither abandoned to the grave, nor did his flesh see decay. This Jesus is the one God has raised up. We are all witnesses of that. We continue with our song for today, Psalm 16, as found on page 68 in the very front portion of your Red Bible. Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, into an inheritance that is undying, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Through faith, you are being protected by God's power for the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the end of time. Because of this, you rejoice very much, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various kinds of trials, so that the proven character of your faith, which is more valuable than gold, which passes away even though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, yet by believing in him, you are filled with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of our God. Our theme verse and responses are printed for you there. Alleluia, alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Alleluia. Jesus. 
Dear fellow redeemed, Christ is risen. We consider briefly our reading from 1 Peter chapter 1. The juxtaposition of the two dates could hardly have been more ironic. Two dates, almost set by, side by side, happening in the same week, that is. Two dates that really highlight the hope we have as Christians and the emptiness of life without Christ. Of course, the first date is the easy one, the one we celebrated last week, the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That on Good Friday, when he had said to the thief, today you will be with me in paradise, that was true. That before the sun went down that day, Jesus' soul and body separated, and after the soldiers had finished the work and heard the crucifixion along, the other criminal also died. His soul and body separated, and from Good Friday evening until after sundown on Saturday, which was the beginning of Jewish Sunday, that thief and Jesus shared a few moments in the bliss of heaven, paradise. And then, as you as you know and remember, then on Easter Sunday, early in the morning, Jesus' soul returned to that body that God had kept and preserved from decay. And Jesus descended into hell, that place that doesn't take up space or matter, but that place where that God has prepared for the punishment of the devil and his angels. And Jesus held his first victory parade. Victory prayed through the streets of hell, saying that he had won, that sins were forgiven, that he had risen from the dead. And then you know the rest. Jesus appeared to Mary. The stone was rolled back. The angel was sitting on it. Jesus appeared to the disciples on the road. He appeared to Peter. And then, as we heard in our gospel lesson, he appeared to those in the locked upper room with his message of peace be with you. And just like that, the highest and happiest day of the Christian year met its fulfillment. Jesus was alive, and there was no more doubt, no more worry, no more despair, every reason to have joy and hope, and yes, even happiness. But the placement of that day on Sunday was followed by yesterday. Yesterday, the, the high feast, the high festival of secular humanism, that purports to say humans can preserve this world by what we do, by our political philosophies, by, by walking instead of driving, by using LEDs instead of incandescents, Earth Day, the day when the world, okay, on the one hand, maybe says we should be good stewards of the world that God has given to us, or on the other hand, those without God basically celebrate how much influence they think they wield over this world. Peter was right in his second letter when he said that they forgot long ago God destroyed the world by flood and that God will destroy the world by fire. And they gathered together to say, look at what we can do. We can prevent the starvation that's going to happen in the year 1908. 
We can prevent the ice age that's coming in 1972. We can prevent the hundreds of millions of deaths that will happen in the late 80s by what we do, by what we do today. The contrast. The joy of Easter. The emptiness of every effort apart from Christ. You could say the reality of a living hope and the emptiness of a dead hope. Because even as people gathered to, to march in the streets of our nation yesterday, most of those people aren't worried that glaciers are going to take over our country today. They're worried that generations down the line, after they have died and gone, they're worried that generations down the line will experience a world that we know nothing of. I'll leave the, the political side of that to somebody else. Consider the spiritual side. That deep down, each of us knows there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Something wrong with the world, something wrong with me, and I've got to do something to change that. And if you just observe the political spectrum, or you, you listen to the message that is broadcast to our culture, or you listen in on what a lot of churches tend to be preaching and teaching, you see that what they're really offering is hope. From the political slogans of hope and change to the promise of a, a better tomorrow and a greater America, an offer of hope, an offer that somehow life will be different, that somehow we can exert the sort of influence over this world and this life that will finally, finally take away the pain and finally undo the injustice in this world, an offer of hope. And for those who have felt hopeless, somebody new comes along, just look at history. Somebody new comes along to offer hope to them. And how should the Christian respond? What is a Christian to do? Well, the only way that all of this, or any of this, is going to make sense is in the light of the empty tomb. Yes, do your civic duty, and let's set that aside for now. In the light of the empty tomb, we find the sort of hope that this world cannot touch. The sort of joy that this world cannot crush. The sort of Jesus that this world cannot keep dead. Think of that. The way Peter puts it, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance, undying, undefiled, Unfading. Talk about real hope. When you think about that, when you think back over the last week, I'll grant that maybe you had a week like the disciples did. I mean, Jesus appeared to them on Easter Sunday evening. <coughs> and a week later, they're all gathered together with the doors locked for a fear of the Jews once again. And for the Christian, really that characterizes so much of our life, doesn't it? Where we know the truths of our faith, 
We know the reality of Easter, that Jesus Christ is risen, he is risen indeed, and it's true on Easter Sunday, and the Sunday after Easter, and it's true on the 14th Sunday of Pentecost, and it's true on New Year's Eve and Election Day. At every point along the way, you and I know, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And yet, and yet, so much of life in this world involves looking around and realizing and recognizing that there are so many other offers of hope and so many problems in my life that it seems I cannot escape. That it seems the comfort of Easter often fades into the background because Easter was six months ago. Because what is the real comfort of Easter when I've got this particular pain in my life, this particular grief? And what is the real comfort of Easter when it seems that holding to my Christian faith only brings more suffering? Well, Peter addresses all of that. Through faith, you are being protected by God's power for the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the end of time. And the constant temptation, whether the Sunday after Easter, or the month after Easter, the day after Earth Day, or you name it. The comfort in all of this is exactly what Peter writes about. You are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls, because you have been given new birth into a living hope. If you look at verse 9, there's two words. Two words that just absolutely turn the whole Christian life on its head. When he says, you are receiving the goal of your faith. He doesn't say, you have received, you did receive, as though it was just something that happened in the past, but now it's up to me to slog through the rest of my life because Easter only applies to the future. He's saying, you are receiving. This is an ongoing thing. Because the promise of Easter isn't just the promise of, of life eternal in heaven. It's not just eternal life insurance. It's this new birth, this new life that you have now. And that you continue to receive through Jesus Christ. All because he has given you new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, later in the chapter, later in the chapter, he'll describe how this has happened through the living and enduring Word of God. The Word of God that will never be overturned, that will always stand true and faithful. But the other side of that that you can think of also is your baptism. The baptism where every little baby born into this world, cute and cuddly as they may be, is born spiritually dead, a spiritual corpse. And the resurrection that God did to Jesus, the resurrection that Jesus did to himself on Easter Sunday, is the exact same resurrection that God has given to you and to me through that sacrament. And so, he keeps you alive and keeps on giving. That's the whole point. There in verse 9, you are receiving the goal of your faith. That God keeps on giving. It's not just a one-time event in the past but it has present-day 
comfort. Present day comfort. Okay, I get it. Easter was a one-time event in the past. Jesus died once, he will rise once, and he did. But what is the present day comfort of Easter Sunday? What is this difference that living hope makes? He explains. It's bound up in this little word called Christian joy. Christian joy. Joy is not happiness. I like to draw a little bit of a distinction there where happiness is, is how I feel. My emotional state based purely upon what happens to me, and I'm the, the passive recipient of all that. Am I happy today? Well, did I have a good cup of coffee? Is it nice and sunny out? Yeah. Am I happy today? Well, I just got, my car just got rebranded. Maybe I'm not happy. Joy is different. Christian joy isn't about what happens to me and how things affect me from the outside. Christian joy is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and made your own through your baptism and the word of God. And Christian joy is this gift that God keeps on giving, that we keep on receiving. It's a joy that is more of an inside-out. If you want to think of it as a happiness inside-out, well, okay. But it's a joy that says, even though circumstances may not be the way I like it right now, and even though things in my life may have not turned out the way I wanted right now, at the same time, at the exact same time, I know that Jesus rose from the dead, and that is rock-solid proof, rock-solid proof that God has forgiven my sin, that I've been adopted into his family, and that really, there's nothing to worry about in the big scheme of things. Peter almost gets a little ironic there, starting in verse, in verse 6. It sounded somewhat more ironic in the NIV. This newer translation, I think, captures it quite well. Because of this, you rejoice, or you have very much joy. Even now, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various kinds of trials, so that the proven character of your faith, which is more valuable, valuable than gold, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. In other words, the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that your sin has been forgiven. That there's no reason for despair, and the sin of despair has also been forgiven. And that resurrection was made yours through word and sacrament, and it continues to be made yours through word and sacrament. Where God has kindled this joy in your heart that says and looks beyond life in this world, and says, I know who my Savior is. My Savior is the one whose footsteps, whose footsteps from that grave walked down to hell, paraded through the streets of hell with the devil on a leash. I know who my Jesus is. He's the one whose footsteps came out of that grave, whose footsteps walked all the way to the top of the Mount of Olives, and he ascended into heaven, and he has all things under his feet as both God and man. You see, Jesus didn't lose out, and he didn't give up his human nature at all when he ascended into heaven. So even today, right now, our risen and ascended Lord Jesus, who appeared there in John chapter 20, saying, touch me, and see, my hands, 
touch my side. It's me. That same Jesus is ruling with all events in this world in his hand. He's ruling with an eye on the calendar, marking off the days until he will return in all glory, where you and I will be given relief from this world, where you and I will finally see with our eyes what we now know only by faith, as Jesus himself says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed, where you and I will see with our own eyes the hands and the feet and the side of our risen Lord Jesus. And this is a truth. This is a truth that is yours and mine, that we keep on receiving, that we keep on having kindled in our hearts through the living and enduring Word of God. You can think of it this way. Soviet Russia, after the communists came to power and had really solidified their grasp. And the next thing that they did, after shipping all the, the upper crust learned people in society, shipping them off to Siberia, the next thing that they did to solidify their grip on the country was to say, well, we need to do something about this religion thing. Because religion really, and faith, really elevates people's eyes and minds beyond life in this world, and we need to replace religion and faith with the government. And so the USSR sent, sent their uh, ambassadors to the churches across the nation, appeared in the Orthodox Church on one Easter Sunday. And the, the government official sees this crowd of people. True story. This government official sees the crowd of people, puts a halt to the service, and says, sit down, I need to talk. And the people sat, and they listened. And the man went on and on and talked about the fact that, that the government had really replaced their religion, that there was no need for faith when the government would take care of them, when the communist government would really feed them and clothe them, and in effect, that he said, and it's kind of a recurring theme, we have killed God, we have made religion dead. This went on for quite some time. You can probably imagine the scene, a little bit of squirming in the seats, but they listened because, you know, you don't want to end up like those other people out in Siberia. At the end, at the end, there was one older man in the congregation who said in his shaky voice, he stood up, he said, thank you. I was wondering if I could just say a few words. Government official said, sure. And so he grabbed his cane and he walked to the front of the church. And he turned around and he had a speech that was three words long. Christ is risen. Congregation responds, just as you and I know. He is risen indeed. That is the living hope that this world can never know. They will do their best to preserve this world even though God has marked it for a day of destruction. They will do their best to stop out Christianity when and where and however they can. Whether that's through, through the sword, like in Soviet Russia, or simply by letting the people amuse themselves to death like we do in America. But through it all, 
Dear rights, you have been given new birth into a living hope, and you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Guaranteed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, made your own in your baptism, preserved to you and proclaimed to you and nourished within you time and again through the, through the word of God. And that this hope is a living hope that applies today. Not just at the end of time when we will all gather at, perhaps, well, not all of us, when we will gather for each other's funerals and, and recognize the joy and the hope that Easter gives us, but that that hope also applies to every day of the Christian life. Because the joy that God has given to you and to me, it's not happiness. Yeah, we're, we're happy about the resurrection of Jesus, but it's a joy. Rejoicing that recognizes, I know who my God is. He has risen from the dead. He has guaranteed my forever. And what can man do to me? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I invite you to turn to page 41 in the very front portion of your red hymnal, where you'll find our confession of faith, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated as we worship the Lord with our offering. to turn to page 126 in the very front portion of your red hymnal, 
And on page 126, you will find the responsive prayer for Easter. Please rise. Also in our prayers today, we include a prayer of thanksgiving at the 100th birthday of Professor Armin Schutze. Um, he was president of our seminary shortly after the split with Missouri. And, um, and you see his work almost every Sunday, as he was the one who provided the translation for the words of institution for this hymnal. We pray. O Lord God, our strength, our song, and our salvation, you have fulfilled your promises by the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. Thanks be to God. You give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In your compassion, you sent Christ the Good Shepherd, who laid down his life to rescue the lost. Cry out all loud and gloom that we may be delighted in your glorious triumph. Lift our eyes heavenward to see him who lives to make intercession for the saints, and grant us confidence in the greatness of his power. Keep before us the vision of your redeemed people standing before your throne and singing the song of victory. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive wisdom and power and honor and glory and grace. Make us instruments of your peace as we bring the good news of hope and new life to those around us. Guide us in the use of all that you have entrusted to us, our time, our talents, and our treasures. Risen Lord, amen us that we may Merciful Lord Jesus, grant healing to the sick, and strengthen the faith of the suffering and the dying. Assure them of your abiding presence, and comfort them with the hope of eternal life. And Lord of love, we thank you for the 100 years of grace that you have granted to your servant, Reverend Armin Schutze. We praise you for being with him in good days and evil, in joy and sorrow, in sickness and health. We praise you above all for having brought, provided him with the rich comfort of your word and sacrament. Be his strength, even when earthly strength fails, and finally bring him and all of us to the joy of eternal life in your presence. Here is Lord as we bring our private petitions. <coughs> Gracious Father, you have restored to us the joy of your salvation. With happy hearts, we come before you and say, Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Amen. Then we join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated for our next hymn, number 434.
is correct, close is correct. O Lord God, our Heavenly Father, pour out the Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep us strong in your grace and truth, protect and comfort us in all temptation, and bestow on us your saving peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Brothers and sisters, go in peace, live in harmony with one another, and serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. <coughs> Thank you. 